Hello, this is Paul Mill, and welcome to episode 19 of Defense Against the Dark Arts. This episode is on suppressed premises. A while ago, a person uh, had said to me that we cannot control what we believe. This is one of the stupidest comments I've ever heard. Of course we can control what we believe. We have the capacity to reason. And through reason, we control what we believe or what and or what we think is you know, most probable. The person who said that to me was not uh, an innocent fool. They were schooled in the arts of manipulation and were pushing ideas that coincide with Marxism and communism, that there is no objective reason, that there is no objective reality, that there is only power. Now, I don't know if this is what they truly believe. You know, let's hope so, because that means we have objective reality and reason on our side. They are destined for failure once again. <clears throat> I'm not saying that, of course, there, you know, there isn't power. Of course, there is. And I define power as control over one's environment, over one's actions. The new left want power all to themselves. They don't want you to have individual freedom. They want centralized control as opposed to decentralized power going to the people. And they are using every cagey tactic to take from you and give it to themselves. As we can clearly see across the free world as organizations and institutions are falling to the irrational racist bigotry of the woke critical theorists. I'm amazed that our institutions and organizations don't have survival countermeasures in place to protect themselves against these ideological attacks you know, by anti-Western, anti-freedom, anti-national, divisist, divisist, divisive, divisive, Marxist hate groups, divisist. Is that even a word? <laughs> it's truly eye-opening to see how incompetent our military and civilian intelligence agencies are, how incompetent our governments, our politicians, experts in academia, and of course the legacy media truly are. This virus of bigoted division and hate has infiltrated all levels of organizations in the free world. Who's behind it? China, Russia, the illogical cancer of communism has been around in our schools and you know universities since before the awakening of the Chinese dragon, whatever you want to call it. Perhaps Russia was, you know, the Soviet Union was sparking the embers and you know, after their collapse now and China's growth, maybe China's now taking over and, and fanning the flames. You know, I don't know. Who knows? But we are currently in an information war. The fact that our politicians, news media, and academics are not screaming about it implies that they are either incompetent or complicit. Either way, we, the freedom-loving people, are no longer represented by these groups. We are many. You are not alone. We are the majority of the free world. We have to take the bull by the horns, to use the old uh, 
analogy, and educate ourselves as best we can on the tactics and strategies being used against us and stand up and speak out against them. Shine the light of truth on their blanket of lies. One of these cagey tactics being used against us is the suppressed premise. Now, what is a suppressed premise? A premise that is not explicitly said or written, right? That's what explicit means. It's, it's spoken or written out. So it's not explicit. So it's kind of redundant to say explicitly said or written because that's what explicit means. So it is not written or said. So it's not explicit. So it's not expressed. So it's an implied, it's a suppressed premise. It's not spoken. It's implied. So first let's apart, support start with the word suppose a lot of times when you're a kid i don't know i say supposed a lot suppose a lot when i was a kid i don't really say suppose so much as an adult but i suppose i suppose right when you're a little kid right but that's pretty powerful word so let's start with suppose what does suppose mean suppose means to assume to be true for the sake of the argument or for the sake of the explanation so for the sake of the argument, let's pretend it's true. Let's suppose that it's true. This is a fantastic way of thinking. I don't know why we did it so much as kids and less as adults, but you know, it's, this is a perfect, you know, for perfect technique for critical thinking, supposing, right? You are not assuming it to be true. You're just for the sake of argument. You're, you're pretending that it's true. I know the definition might say the word assume and assume means with no evidence. Well, I guess, but assume means to believe with no evidence. We are not believing. We're just tentatively, you know, supposing <laughs> you can't use the word suppose in the definition of suppose. I hate when people do that, but there it is. So tentatively supposing something is true for the sake of the argument at hand. The problem is that there's another commonly used definition of the word suppose and that is to believe, especially on uncertain or tentative grounds, to believe. You know, supposing should be tentative. It should be a hypothesis for the sake of argument. And I think of most of us realize this and use it as, you know, a tentative hypothesis. You know, we're not, it's not proven fact or belief when you suppose something. I suppose it doesn't mean I believe it. It's just, yeah, okay, I'll hold it there as it is a placeholder temporarily. But we all can believe something on uncertain grounds. And now that's the spooky part. This is that kind of supposing is the uh, is the devil's playground, right? The manipulator loves it when you can believe something on uncertain grounds. So if we only use suppose as a tentative hypothesis for the sake of the argument, like we did when we were kids, we will be a lot harder to manipulate and deceive, which is kind of ironic because kids are usually pretty easy to deceive, but there it is. So I could be wrong on my uh, presumption, right? That mostly kids use that, but I'm just going by my own uh, memory here. Anyway, so, uh, so what is presuppose, presupposition? You're presupposing something to believe or suppose in advance. Wow, that's a shocker. If you're going to suppose something in advance, you're going to presuppose it. So there we go. Now we're starting to enter this world, right? Presupposition, an implied assumption that is taken as true during an exchange of ideas. So it's an implied assumption. We're now entering the realm of implied assumptions. 
assumptions are based on that are based on evidence are not called assumptions. They're called presumptions. But here we're not talking about presumptions. We're talking about assumptions. So we're saying you're not based on any evidence. You it's a presupposition is an implied assumption. Assumptions on their own are bad enough. Assumptions that are implied are even worse. You know, so back to supposing and presupposing. Presuppositions are assumptions that are implied. How much weight should you give to presuppositions? Well, personally, I'm not going to give too much. I don't want to give any weight to a presupposition because it is an implied assumption. So the assumption's bad enough, but here we're implying assumptions. But since it's happening in our head, this is the problem, right? When you make the the connection in your head, we we give it a lot more weight than it deserves. We think, well, I thought of that, so therefore it's you know, that's my my thoughts are more powerful than everybody else's. Everybody else are they're all dummies. They're all idiots. But if I can make the connection in my head, oh, wow, that's right. Everyone else is stupid and they're wrong. But if I thought of it, it's right. Right. So this is this is kind of the the stupidity that goes on when when you make a connection in your head. So this is clearly a vector of attack for the manipulator. So presupposed, not explicitly stated premises are a vulnerability in our mental firewall. Often the most controversial premises or reasons an arguer does not want to say will be a suppressed premise, a presupposition. You know, the bonus here for the deceiver, for the manipulator, the kicker is that not only do they not explicitly, do they not explicitly say, so the, again, what does the explicitly say? So do they not make it explicit? Do they not say, anyway, so do they not explicitly say the most controversial premise but by not saying it by suppressing the premise they are forcing you to connect the dots in your head for you to make the assumptions that they are implying when you make the assumptions you are tricked into thinking that it was you who thought of it but you were led by the nose by the manipulator to make the assumption but to make sense of an argument when somebody's explaining something and there are, there are bits that are missing that are suppressed, right? We can't help it. We try to make sense of what someone is saying. So we try to make the assumptions or we, we make the, we don't try, we just do. We make assumptions to make sense of what someone's saying. So we try to connect the dots. So if somebody suppresses something, you know, you will fill the gaps with an assumption and that is, that is the suppressed premise or the suppressed claim could be a claim, could be a premise. But. So these are easy to miss if you are not paying attention. It's a cagey and dishonest tactic, but we're swimming with sharks. So we shouldn't be so naive. Nature has a way of killing off the naive. If you're naive, nature is sending a bullet your way. I didn't write the rules. This is just the way it is. I'm not suggesting we, we need to be nasty or mean, quite the contrary. But I am definitely saying life cannot afford to be naive if it is to survive on a planet such as ours. 
not all suppressed premises are intentional manipulation. They may be just expediency. It's, you know, if the suppressed premise is true or, you know, we all agree that it's true or if it's objectively true, we don't have to agree to it, right? So here's an example. I'm going to have a sip of water. Here's an example of a suppressed premise. Bob said, Sue was the best gardener. I liked Sue. The suppressed premise is that Sue is no longer Bob's gardener. We don't know why she's no longer his gardener, but the implied assumption is that she is no longer his gardener. But that assumption could be wrong. Perhaps Sue is still Bob's gardener, but he's now hired a better gardener, and that is why he no longer likes her and why she is no longer the best gardener, right? We don't know. We need to be careful about presuppositions, about our assumptions. The best defense is to get the arguer to explicitly say, here we go with again, with the explicitly say, I don't know, I can't keep, I have a hard time not just saying, make it explicit or saying, but I have the arguer explicitly, I'm going to, I'm going to say this wrong just because it feels better. I'm going to have the arguer to explicitly say the suppressed premise or if something's written to, to write it out, you know, write out the probable, uh, suppressed premises. Is probable the word plausible, the most plausible yeah, the most plausible suppressed premise. If it's a controversial point, we can presume, because there's some evidence here, that they intentionally suppressed it. If they intentionally suppressed it, they are being evasive. If they're being evasive or non-direct, they are probably trying to deceive us. Of course, this depends on context. Here's another example of a suppressed premise. Every alien is a sharpshooter. Therefore, Steve is a sharpshooter. The suppressed premise, the implied connection, is that Steve is an alien. Writing out the entire argument with the suppressed premise would be, Steve is an alien. Every alien is a, is a sharpshooter. Therefore, Steve is a sharpshooter. We're using the, uh, the, uh, the logic we're using is uh, Barbara. Do you remember Barbara? A is B, B is C, therefore A is C. This is a logically valid argument, but the premises may be fictional. And in this case, they are fictional. <laughs> so the argument is not sound. But here's another argument. Multidimensional creatures have a right to life. So, so Sasquatch has a right to life. This argument is hard to disagree with. But the suppressed premise that Sasquatch is a multidimensional creature is easier to argue. It's an assertion and there's no evidence given. This is where the, the true argument is, the true bone of contention here that we can debate. So here's the double, here's a, a double suppressed premise with a suppressed claim followed by yet another suppressed premise. I hear this used and it's, or it was used. They seem to be, I don't know if they still talking about it in the news. It was used for a while there. Anyways, uh, but you can understand why they suppressed these, why they didn't want to say them, right? Because they're controversial. They're racist. And they're playing into the racism of those who agree with it. So the argument is, voter ID is discrimination against people of color. So here's the suppressed premise one. 
Incapable people cannot get ID. Suppress premise two. People of color are incapable people. Suppressed claim, therefore people of color cannot get ID. Suppressed premise three. Requiring ID from incapable people is discrimination. Discrimination. So here's the actual claim at the end. Voter ID is therefore discrimination against people of color. This is so racist, so wrong. And yet, it, <laughs> we heard it, right? So explicitly writing out these suppressed premises and claims sheds a lot of light on those who are making the argument. Often when you spell out their suppressed claims, the manipulator will just deny ever making the original claim. Regardless, making the suppressed premises explicit is a powerful tool for making the arguer's position clear and also destroying garbage arguments. Without the suppressed premise explicitly added, the argument is usually, I'm talking just generally speaking, so in general, without the suppressed premise explicitly added, the argument is usually logically invalid, but usually ignored when using non-deductive reasoning. We shouldn't. We should not ignore it. When we add suppressed premises, we are making the argument valid logically. Any argument, no matter how crazy it is, can be made logically valid by simply adding premises. For example, it's raining. Therefore, she is reading. This is a non sequitur craziness. But we can add a suppressed premise that is a conditional. If it's raining then she will be reading. It is raining, therefore she is reading. So now it's logically sound. This is affirming the antecedent or modus ponens, and it's, it's a logically valid argument. This can be done to any crap argument by making the premise, the, the antecedent, and the claim the consequent, and adding the conditional as the first premise, making the argument a modus ponens syllogism. When we do this, it's called a purely formal suppressed premise, and it's not useful for evaluation of the argument. It does not add anything to our greater understanding of the argument and is therefore pointless. So we will avoid purely formal suppressed premises. We instead want to find out a relevant suppressed premise that will show us what is really going on in the argument so that we can better evaluate it. We may not agree with the suppressed premises, of course, right? It's, but it's not our argument. So whether we agree with it or not is not the point. Uh, what we want to find is the actual argument. The suppressed premise may not be more controversial than the one given, and it doesn't have to be. Also, there may be many suppressed premises and suppressed claims as we've already seen. Here's another example. All nations have a right to preserve their values. Therefore, nations have a right to horrible values. Whoa, a couple suppressed premises would be nations are defined by their values. Diverse values are essential to the existence of diverse nations. Diverse nations are a critical defense against a totalitarian global hegemony. So this example of the, the suppressed premises are easily agreeable and make the initial ugly claim potentially agreeable. So the initial argument sounded pretty horrible, but all the suppressed premises sounded pretty good. <laughs> so a person arguing may not be, you know, 
fluent in the ways of manipulation. So you might need to look deeper at their arguments and they actually might be making a valid point when it sounds really ugly. So we need to be careful about our assumptions when searching for suppressed care uh, premises. We should use good faith to try to find the best, most plausible premise the arguer was implying. So what method do we use to find the most plausible suppressed premises? Well, common sense, but common sense might be too vague uh, a concept for some. So uh, we can look at the premise and we can look at the claim and what connections can we make to make the claim uh, more agree uh, with the premise or to shed more light on it without adding, without adding new information, just sort of looking at it with a microscope, try to blow it up a little bit, you know, uh, expand and look at the definitions that they're using maybe. So here's an example. Aliens try not to influence us. Therefore, aliens are elusive. So what's the most plausible suppressed premise for this argument, whether we agree with it or not? So what would be the most? So if aliens are trying not, aliens try not to influence us, therefore they are elusive. So what would be a good suppressed premise for that? What they're trying to say, they're really trying to say those that try not to influence others in their natural environment that don't want to have an effect on them are elusive. Aliens try not to influence us, therefore aliens are elusive. The presupposition or the suppressed premise here is the most plausible connection between the premise and the claim. You know, we, we have to be careful to not add to the argument a point that was not being made. We just want to blow up to define, to clarify what the argument or the argument was actually saying. It would be wrong, for example, to add to this argument anything about covert observations because that is not what the arguer was claiming. We don't want to put words in the arguer's mouth because now we're not arguing the argument anymore. We're making a straw man and we don't want to do that. We just want to make logical connections to try to evaluate the specific argument. So here's another example. Absence of evidence is not proof of falsity, 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 falsity. <laughs> Can me say that again. Absence of evidence is not proof of falsity because absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. So what would be the suppressed premise? What, what, what is the presupposition we are being forced to make here? that the lack of evidence or ignorance is not proof of something being false. So not knowing something doesn't prove that it doesn't exist. So the, the right, that's what they're really saying. Just because you don't know something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's kind of wordy, but that's, that's really what they're meaning, right? So the full argument would now be, you know, smashing it all back together. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence lack of evidence or ignorance is not proof of something being false therefore absence of evidence is not proof of falsity that's a pretty good argument one last example my throat's getting dry 
So the commonly used, I don't want to get too political, but this is examples that are being thrown at us here. So the, the commonly used racist and bigoted argument of white privilege or white fragility or white X, you know, these two word claims are loaded with suppressed premises. Let's look at white privilege the suppressed premises of using the argument of white privilege are first that whites are different than non-whites the you know these are not defined differences so they are sub suppressed premises you know that is left for the target to assume what these differences are so first the first suppressed premise is that there are differences the second is what are those differences so it's a sub suppressed premise on a suppressed premise this is, this, is the, this thing is so full of this kind of stuff. So another one is that all white people have some undefined benefit over non-white people. What those benefits are are also not defined. So it's another sub-suppressed premise that is implied. That there, there is a definition of white, what it means. That this is, this is not defined here, and therefore it's another sub-suppressed premise. You know, another one is that non-whites don't have any such implied privilege. That whites are intrinsically higher socially, hence the privilege. So there's two more. Another one would be what that whatever is implied, whatever the implied privilege is, it's not earned and it's not based on merit. Or if that privilege is based on merit and that merit is somehow uh, that that merit is somehow unfair and that everyone who is not white should share in the earnings of those white people who have worked for it. Y you see how this train of illogic begins to focus on the irrational, unfair, uh, and in this case, Marxist ideals of equity versus equality, suppression of the best and support for the worst. Now, I'm not saying this is their argument, right? Don't put words in my mouth. This is their words, right? So this racist ideology implies that blacks or non-whites of any definition, however you want to define them, because they're the ones using the term white, so that whatever is non-white, you want to call black or people of color or whatever, uh, and however you want to define that, that these people are not and cannot be the best at anything, right? Because then they don't have this privilege. So, so they, they are therefore, they have less merit than whatever this definition of white people are. So all whites are intrinsically, here's another suppressed, so based on that, you know, that all whites are intrinsically superior to non-whites and therefore owe the lower life forms a share in their equity, right? As an ownership of property. That's what equity means. This is a divisive ploy by Marxists to divide the free world by skin color, to sow seeds of resentment and hate against those of a different skin color, to penalize someone because of the skin color they were born in. They have simply twisted the old Marxist arguments against class and replaced them with word, the words of higher class with white and lower class with non-white. That's pretty racist. Right. The the wealthy whites in society may agree because they are wealthy white bigots who believe they are superior to the lower riffraff. You know, the poor non-whites 
might believe this because they want a devil to blame for their lack of initiative or their circumstance. The poor whites are wondering, WTF, what's going on? And the rational people of all skin shades see through the division and the hate and realize it is a perversion of the old Marxist arguments to divide people so the ultra-wealthy can gain more power and control over arguing over the little arguing people, the little people that are the arguing little people who fall for their mind games. You know, they are, uh, there are truly many pieces in play and, and many games being played at the same time. This is a complex system. The globalist billionaire class are using China and the Chinese CCP are using the globalist billionaire class. But the power always remains with the people, with the masses. Money is just an abstraction, a form of control over those who agree to its power. The only true power is controlling the minds of ourselves and others. And the enlightened who love freedom and enjoy power and control over our own actions know that just because we can influence power over others does not mean that we should. While those less evolved, lower forms of human who love power and control over others are obsessed with power and control over others. Of course, there are limits to freedom. Even in nature, there are consequences for actions against others. And we rightfully are repulsed by those who use power against those who can't or don't know how to defend themselves. I've been in arguments with salespeople who argue that those who cannot defend themselves or don't know any better deserve to be taken advantage of. They should better inform themselves, better defend themselves against the likes of these salespeople. Well, I was repulsed by this, but these salespeople are not entirely wrong. And this is one of the reasons why I started this podcast, to try to even the game. I think you get the gist. Suppressed premises can be powerful tools of manipulation. But writing out suppressed premises is always a good idea to help evaluate and clarify any argument. Next episode is episode 20, Premise Evaluation.